the IELTS podcast. Learn from tutors and ex-examiners who are masters of IELTS preparation. Your host, Ben Worthington. Hello there, IELTS students. In this tutorial, we will look at IELTS IDP and British Council IELTS. We're going to look at both of them and we're going to help you just get orientated and to understand like the origin and why there's two different types and if there's any difference between them and on this tutorial we have Daphne how are you today Daphne hi Ben hi everyone I'm really good thank you and I'm really glad we're going to be talking about this today because I've heard students talk about oh IDP or British Council and I confess I hadn't really done much research into this and only when Ben said right come on let's let's get into this and, and talk about it that I started reading and it's been really interesting yeah yeah and I I'm guilty I didn't do the I always thought they were exactly the same so I never bothered to research it and we're going to talk about this more because it does seem like a common question for the students and I have heard stories of students consistently getting I don't know a certain grade like this student she was doing um, she was in Australia and she was consistently getting band 6.5 and then she mm -hmm. flew back to India on a holiday to see her family and everything and she, she said she'd do an IELTS test there she did the British Council one and she got a band 7 Wow. Yeah. Wow. Have you heard stories like that before? Well, I'd, I've heard stories the other way around, actually, Ben. <laughs> Maybe this proves the point. Um, yeah, no, I heard that, you know, is IDP easier? Um, so, well, okay, we, we need to move on. We'll, yes, suspense, yes. Suspense building. I think we're, we're was it rumor mongering? We're in the rumor mill at the moment. Totally. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it is definitely that kind of topic, isn't it? Lots uh, of stories. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so let's cut to the chase. Are there any differences between IDP and British Council? What's the simple answer here, Daphne? The, the simple answer is no. Um, exactly. And and uh, we need to we need to look at why. Okay, so let's get into a bit of detail. The IELTS exam has three owners. This is a bit complicated. Mm. Three owners: mm. uh, the Cambridge English Language Assessment, who are based in Cambridge in the UK; mm -hmm. uh, the IDP, who are based in Melbourne in Australia; and the London-based British Council. So that's three people that own the IELTS exam. And if we break that down a bit, IDP and the British Council administer the exam and Cambridge English Language Assessment are responsible for writing and marking. Um, so, Ben, maybe you can explain administer the exam so we can just okay. be pretty clear. Well, what came to mind immediately is too many cooks in the kitchen. But yeah, <laughs> that's just, uh, yeah, that what that means um, is like when you've got too many cooks in the kitchen, it means like there's lots of people there or too many, lots of people doing the job that maybe one person could do. But anyway, that's uh, a distraction. We're going off on a tangent there. Um, there is a reason why there are so many um stakeholders in or so many owners it's a long uh it's a long convoluted explanation because of the start the history behind the exam but anyway the question administer it basically means um the people who deliver and who basically perform and run this exam they set the exam dates they train the uh, they train the teachers 
they get uh, the whole operation in motion, they collect mm-hmm. the money, they basically coordinate the whole operation. That's all. And right. fair enough, you, it's easy to say there's too many cooks in the kitchen, but also this is a massive operation that is spanning practically all the continents in the world. So you can be, ex- I think they can be excused for have, having so many um, cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. That's 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 so true. I like I like the expression "cooks in the kitchen," and it does seem like that. Mm. Um, but actually, when you look at how many test centres there are all all over the world, and how often they're trying to run this exam, uh, the, the administration of it, literally making sure the exam starts on time and there's somebody there in the test centre on the right day, it's huge logistics, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And not only do they have to get these logistics in operation make sure it runs smoothly but all the time they've got to make sure that it's like equally valid and that they're giving the same the students with the same abilities are getting the same grades as they would as the student with the same ability in london gets the same grade as the student with the same ability in mumbai for example exactly and, and then this is the sorry i was gonna say this I, is the cambridge english language assessment people who are in charge of that is that right yes yes exactly exactly and this isn't easy because there's so many uh there's such a big human element and humans are not um of course every human is different so this is why the ielts idp the british council the the whole organization puts so much emphasis on training the tutors to make sure that the grades are uh, that the evaluation is fair yeah. globally, which is a humongous task. It is. It, it's a huge thing. And you, you think of any test you do, you know, from the test you do at school up to something as hugely important and relevant as this, you've got to believe in the examiner. You've got to believe in the system. Mm-hmm. And you've got to know that the, your result is valid as ben says all over the world um mm-hmm. and there, there, sh- there shouldn't be any i mean there isn't any discrepancy is what we're going to say but there shouldn't be any discrepancy either if you're dealing with such a such an important exam exactly exactly and i think a lot of students in my opinion um they kind of like burn and lose energy focusing on the difference and i can understand in india for example you have there's both IDP centers and British Council centers and I can understand it's like "Mm, should I go to this one or should I go to this one yeah and I can understand but I honestly think that it's better and it's healthier for you for your mental health at least to just divert your energy into your own preparation and you know divert that energy into your own preparation into practicing getting some feedback and improving your own score rather than going around in this loop and trying to research online which is better is it the idp is it the british council which is easier it's um i think that's just a pointless um yeah it's a pointless use of time energy time and energy basically I think that's such good advice. You can get really distracted and really heated trying to find a loophole, mm. trying to find some little article somewhere that told you it might be easier. Um, but the the whole point is that if we look at the, the validity of the exam, it is valid all over the world. So if you take your exam in Australia, it's valid in Canada. If you take it in Canada, it's valid in Australia. That has to work. Otherwise, the system falls apart. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the examiners. So the all IELTS examiners, this includes IDP and the British Council ones, these are experienced 
teachers who have received the same training. So this goes back to what we were saying. Um, these teachers would give the same score to the student with the same ability, whether they're in London, whether they're in uh, Delhi, whether they're in Melbourne. So as Daphne just said, as we were just saying, like there's not going to be any discrepancy in their score, in the scores and in their evaluation. And also to add to this, they're all following the same criteria to assess yeah. the students. Um, it's not like they've got different criteria. It's all the same criteria given to them by Cambridge English Language Assessment. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and, and so if you've ever looked at the band descriptors, and we really recommend that you look at the band descriptors, especially if you're aiming for this magic band seven um, and even above, um, download them. You can get the public band descriptors anywhere. Uh, it's something I share with my students quite a lot, and I know Ellen, my colleague, does as well. Uh, you need to know what you're aiming for. Um, mm -hmm. And the examiners obviously have that, but then they have the private ones, which are more detailed. Um, and they know exactly what they are looking for when they mark your essay or when they're marking your speaking. Um, and they're very regularly trained uh, and monitored as well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And what about, should a student worry about a examiner's an examiner's accent <laughs> we talked about accents before ben haven't we because yes. you and me have different english accents <laughs> um no and and actually i would argue this on a kind of a bigger level you know when you speak english english is a global language mm. um and when you speak english in india or canada or mexico or wherever you're going to hear fantastic English, but it might not be the same as my English or Ben's English, but it's still English. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that you can understand all sorts of different accents. I think you should be embracing that idea that you get used to understanding lots of different accents. Um, mm -hmm. So the examiner may indeed come from a number of English different speaking countries. So that could be UK, Australia, USA, Ireland, um, or even be a bilingual non-native speaker. Yeah. Um, so accents are going to be different, aren't they? Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I was, re I remember when I was in Spain, and I honestly think my accent is is quite easy to understand, especially since I've stopped living in the UK. When I go back to the UK, I speed up. And I start, my Yorkshire accent starts coming back because obviously I'm around my family again and it gets faster, it gets more close, it gets more, it gets closer to the standard um, English accent. But I think when you start teaching English, you slow down, you start enunciating, you start mm -hmm. uh, pronouncing every single syllable in the word instead of eating them, like, like we do in England, because we just get, you know, we, we just get used to it and things are moving a little bit faster you're not in an exam in, uh, in a in a teaching environment you know you, it's an exchange of information you're more relaxed so it's going to be faster but anyway i mentioned in this because sometimes in spain i would be talking with somebody in english and i would say i could see on the face that they don't understand me and they said it was my accent and i in my back of my mind i was like yeah could be my accent but i don't really think so because it's it's quite it's quite clear now yeah yes yeah. it's, it's slow it's clear and it's enunciated it is not my accent that you don't understand it's really 
the you've got problems listening so what i'm saying is that it's really important just to develop this skill and try and distinguish this like okay is it really the speaker's accent that i don't understand or um is it because of their accent or is it because my listening skills are not developed enough I think that's so well put because the examiner will, wherever they come from, even if it's a you know quite distinguishable regional accent, if it's a Scottish accent or an Irish accent or something, it will still be clear. What they say to you, as Ben said, enunciate, which is a really lovely word, um, which just means saying your words really clearly, that you, they, they will do that because you are in a test situation. They're not trying to trick you. It's not like they're having a conversation with you down at the pub or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, there will be clarity. Exactly. What you, what you can do is to tune in to different accents as part of your preparation. I think that's really good advice anyway. Yes, absolutely. This is what I was just going to mention, that ideally when you're preparing – you want to be listening to a wide range of different accents. So how do you find this? Well, you can listen to some sports commentary in the US. You could listen to a nature documentary that comes from Australia. You can watch a, I don't know, a news documentary uh, from South Africa. We there are very few excuses left now with the arrival of the internet you've got the whole world and all these english-speaking countries are just pumping out terabytes of information daily Mm. there is an abundance of information and just one side note while you're doing this i would recommend going for a topic that you find interesting as well because doing ielts listening tests is an excellent way to prepare however it could be quite easy to switch off. So I strongly <laughs> recommend finding a topic that is of interest to you. So if you like the English Premier League, for example, and by the way, if you're listening to podcasts about the English Premier League or or TV commentary about the Premier League on YouTube, the you, in most of the programs I've been watching, there's usually a wide array of accents. There's a Scottish yeah. manager... There's, I was gonna say, there's a Scouser on there. There's a Mancunian. There's a real blend of different accents, and it is. You're gonna, quite... you're gonna have to explain Scouser, Ben. I'm not gonna let you get away with that. Uh, Scouser. Scouser <laughs> is from a living Newcastle. Yes. What? Uh, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> it's Liverpoolian. Right? Liverpool. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yes, the Liverpoolian. Yes. So yeah. So um, up north. There's lots of different accents. You've got Tykes, <laughs> Geordies, Scousers, Manx. Those are the informal way. We've got you know, Newcastle, Liverpoolian, Mancunia. Well, there's, there's, there's hundreds, absolutely hundreds. <laughs> and it's good just to get used to these. Wow, I'm really surprised about the... I thought everybody knew what a scout... Mind you, you're I from think... down south and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm from down south. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> 
it all sounds the same. Um, but, oh, but, no, no, northern I'm, monkeys to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but football is, I mean, a sports commentary, I think, is a really, really good idea because you can get a bit fixated on, okay, I'll listen to BBC News, but mm. that's pretty much sort of the same. Yeah. Um, so I think football, especially when people are animated about the subject, so you have to listen a bit harder to understand what they're saying, and they're probably speaking quite fast. I think if you can get grips with that, then you're really going to give yourself an advantage. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, just one last thing. Um, there's a wonderful video on YouTube about the cricketer, Nicknack. Uh, what is it? Yeah, there's a, there's a cricket game in Australia and the commenter's obviously getting bored. So he's just telling a joke, a really long, terrible, horrible joke while mm. he's commentating. And it's it's hilarious. So I'll probably put a link to that in this tutorial. Um, I do. That'd be great. <laughs> okay, then. So how do you choose then, Daphne? How do you choose between well, the IDP and the British Council? Okay, so we've been saying so far, there's no difference. The examining... The quality is the same, the accents, you just got to get used to it. So really, it's down to personal choice. Mm -hmm. So the IDP and the British Council have representation in over 100 countries all over the world. Mm. So in many places, it's a question of geography. Um, so in some places, there's an IDP centre. In other places, there's a British Council one. Um, so in some countries in India, we, we said, obviously, India is enormous and there are lots of test centres. It, it's just going to be the one that is probably the nearest to you or suits you best. So personal choice, yes. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Also, um, yeah, paper or computer. Now, I didn't know this, that, um, that the IDP was offering computer ones before the British Council. I didn't know that. It's quite. Um, I thought it was quite interesting, but it looks as though now both centres are offering. Um, well, some centres are not offering computer ones; they're still offering paper ones. But I think it, it, the computer one is available now in both of uh, both IDP and British Council centres. Yeah, I was quite surprised about that actually, because I think the IDP began offering computer tests in December 2017. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in 20 countries and. I mean, that just gives you a bit of an idea that they were obviously quite forward thinking and maybe responding to demand that people are more comfortable, a lot of people are more comfortable writing on computers now than on paper. Mm. Um, but the British Council also are doing computer aisles. Um, so this gives you an alternative in a lot of centres. So I mean, usually you can choose, can't you, Ben? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And for the students on our course, they all have to send in their essays um, typed up on the computer and send us an, a doc, uh, I don't know, a Google Doc, Word Doc, or just copy-paste it, it doesn't really matter. But we insist mm -hmm. that it is written up and typed up on the computer, not written out pen and paper, because we don't want to use our time to decipher, to try and understand people's handwriting when we could be using the same time to be given, I don't know, valuable advice, valuable feedback um, to improve their writing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. And actually, there's some people who say, you know, oh, I'm not really used to writing on a computer or who have time issues. But actually, as you practice more and more, uh, you do, you know, this is part of the whole process, isn't it, of mm -hmm. practicing essays and getting feedback. And a lot of it is timing as well. You know, I can't do this in 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, 
when you get used to maybe just um, even typing faster or just controlling your planning or whatever it is that you're doing, um, yeah, I think that it, it's a good idea to, to type is obviously, you know, yeah. and it's much easier, it's much easier for the examiner to read through your essay and then really concentrate on what you're writing rather than trying to wade through an awful scrawl of handwriting. Absolutely. Yeah, totally, totally agree there. And also uh, the way we teach students to pass the writing is we put a lot of emphasis on the planning first and we don't and we say basically okay you want to start out with your body paragraphs and this is really helps a student when they are doing the computer-based one or the vice versa sorry the the computer-based exam really helps the student because you can start writing out your body paragraphs and then you can copy paste it copy paste it further down and then start on your introduction later and then finish off with the conclusion rather than having to start off with your introduction which would probably be the case with your writing so what i'm saying is that when you're doing the computer-based one you can move your paragraphs around you can maybe delete an entire sentence without destroying your essay because if you're hand writing out an essay and you decide that you want to put in a better sentence or that sentence is completely off topic if you do this while you with pen and paper it is very risky because you're going to absolutely butcher your essay whereas in the computer-based one obviously there's not as much risk that is such a good point. I hadn't really thought about that flexibility that you're going to have on the uh, doing that. But mm. I mean, that is so, such a good point because and a handwritten essay with lots of crossing out, however neatly you do it, it's quite difficult to, to restructure a whole paragraph under pressure. But if mm. you're doing that on your computer, actually, as you said, it's very easy. You can move sentences around. And uh, just a quick side note. Um, it's so important that you make sure you answer the question and stay on the question mm-hmm. because I know how easy it is for people to get excited about the question and think, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on this and disappear down a, a different path. Yeah. Um, but if you're, you know, if you, if you're on the computer and you've got that question and you look at it again, you think, oh, hang on a minute, I've gone off topic. You can pull yourself around very quickly, can't you? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And in the new course, the new online course that will be launching soon, there's a little module about rescuing paragraphs where with like two sentences, you can rescue a paragraph, which could be a, a useful exam skill if you find that you are way off topic. Uh, not way off topic, but considerably off topic, but you don't have time to um, rewrite the entire thing. There's a new module about rescuing a paragraph and twisting it round and making it relevant. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, just one other thing that I want to mention is that even though you are handwriting, even though if you're doing your paper-based one, um, your exam will be scanned and then it's sent to the UK to be marked online. So this adds another layer of complexity for mm-hmm. the examiner because not now they they don't have the paper-based exam that you wrote in front of them. They've got a picture of it on yeah. the screen, which makes it even harder, I think. 
I uh, agree. I mean, it, you know, we, we don't want to kind of worry you because, of course, there is a huge system of checking and validation and, you know, consolidate, you know, make you obviously sort of checking and double checking and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be harder, isn't it, to see a scan document than it is to have something neatly typed in front of you. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. This is where when I started um, doing these corrections online and started giving feedback within a week i just made the rule i was like okay no more handwritten essays no more. <laughs> thanks man i'm so, so grateful <laughs> because i would see these essays and i'd be like this is impossible and also mm. um the student maybe they got the wrong angle you know and sometimes i would get a shot of the desk and i'd be like oh i, I don't want to be doing this i want to be focusing on the text i want to be focusing yeah, on, on the content essay. Yeah. exactly yeah mm-hmm. i don't want to be wasting time just trying to figure out what this is and you know the scan or the photo comes in upside down and it's just yeah it's not mm-hmm. worth it so yeah that brings us on to the indicator test which a lot of our students who are going through our course have recently done the indicator test and what have they yeah, been I'm... saying I, I it's been quite well, I'm a, positive I've been hasn't listening. it Really positive. This has been a really good thing. Just to, just to recap, this is the IELTS indicator test that has been launched just during this awful virus COVID time um, to because the test centres are closed. So the IELTS indicator is for academic purposes only. It is not for immigration. That's really important to mm. um, stress. Um, but if you need to get the IELTS result for studying in, in a different country and you want to start in September, this is a test that is delivered to your house online. You do not need to move from the safety of your kitchen or whatever. You mm. can do your IELTS test on the computer. And then your speaking test is face-to-face on Zoom um, with the examiner. Um, yeah. So this is brilliant. Yeah, totally. I mean, we did we have a full tutorial about this. We'll put this, uh, we'll link to the tutorial we did. We talked about, you know, the software you use, the, the format, the procedure, and all of this. Um, and I just want to mention that I honestly believe that this is probably going to be the future. Ideally, they, they would roll this out internationally and it would become a standard and they close down the centers. I mean, ideally, obviously as well, it's easier said than done. There's, yeah. As there's goes, a, well, as you said, there's so many test centers around the world that's a yeah. lot of, you know, uh, yeah. exactly. it's a big change, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And it, it takes, and plus, as we said, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen uh, so it would take a massive, massive um, effort to overhaul this whole structure. And before COVID, it was going pretty well. You know, it, it worked. They had a system, a, few, a very complex system, a very complex uh, procedure, or the whole logistics, and they had it mm. working, and it was a finely tuned engine. COVID came along, and it's totally turned it upside down. And this has basically forced them, pushed them to start putting the test online but personally ideally once they ironed out all the creases i would love this to be standard because it's so much fairer for the students who are in the countryside i've heard stories you probably as well daphne of students having to take you know uh, a six-hour train ride to the center of the country to the capital to take this test three days uh, two nights accommodation they've got all this travel all this upheaval when ideally they could 
you know, just get a decent internet connection, do the test at home. It's so much less stress. I know. Do you remember we had a lovely student, Ben, who um, he was in India. He had to take a day's train journey to get to his nearest test center, mm. stay in a hotel. And he spent the whole train journey and I think half the night listening again to all the essay corrections we'd done with him. And he'd worked really hard. We had a lot of corrections. And he went through every single essay correction all over again. And then he aced it. I mean, he did so well in the exam. But the, the stress and the exhaustion of having to do that travel, um, exactly. you know, it's not great. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he was smart and he took he, he made the best use of his time. But, yeah. but sometimes it's not that um, it's not possible to do that. I mean, just yesterday, I was coming back into the center on a train. The air conditioning hadn't worked. This big lady had taken our seats and refused to move. I couldn't speak the local language to get her to move or to get the, ins- to get the uh, ticket inspector. So we're there, and everybody's just uh, absolutely uh, just dripping in sweat. And... I would hate to take an IELTS test set to that evening or yeah. that afternoon after that ordeal. And yeah, so there's... No, that's not great. That's not great exam preparation, is it? That's exactly. Awful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you're just there in a rut thinking about this woman who took your place. It's not fair. Panicking. And you got yeah. the test. Yeah. You want to be at your best and for doing it from the comfort of the of your own home, I think would facilitate that, assuming that your own home is comfortable, you know? It could exactly. be absolute and pandemonium, in which case you probably <laughs> want to get to a test centre. Yeah, give me a test centre. Um, <laughs> but the two, two other benefits of the indicator, it is a lot cheaper than the traditional test centres, mm-hmm. and you get your results in a week. Um, yeah. So that's good too. It's beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Just yeah. one last thing before we, uh, before we wrap this up. Um, reading and listening, though, even though you might have great skills in those, you do need to learn a new set of exam skills specifically for the um, reading and listening because it takes um, it takes new exam skills to listen and type at the same time and prob- and move around and take notes it within the software. It's not as straightforward as the paper-based one. And with the mm-hmm. paper-based one, you can scribble notes, circle and stuff like that. You do not have that dexterity when you're doing the computer one. So it's definitely worth doing some of the simulation computer-based tests you can get at the official IELTS test uh, website. Yeah. Um, but one actually, one other lovely thing one of my students said to me is, this is great because I like reading out loud. So mm. obviously in an exam center, you couldn't read out loud. But at home, she said, it's fantastic. I can read out loud. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, totally, totally. And plus you can get the, you know, the room to your compl- to your liking if you prefer, like I do, I prefer writing, standing up, and I would much rather do that than be sat down for a good oh, few wow. hours. You know, mm. you can set it up to your ideal temperature, you know, your ideal posture for working. And as well, you're not going to waste time traveling and you you can spend the whole morning getting warmed up with the English language. So you're at your peak when it comes to test time. Listening to Ben's football podcasts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You listen to Scousers and all the rest of them. (laughs) Okay. So to conclude... Uh, the IDP, British Council, it's the same thing. Don't get in a fuss about it. You know, it's the same thing. And yep. it's, yeah, 
divert your energy towards your preparation rather than, as Daphne said, rather than finding these loopholes. Yeah, exactly. So there's no, it's the one is no more lenient than the other. The examiners are the same, go on, go through the same training, have the same qualifications, the same testing, and the same verification process. Um, so it is literally a matter of convenience. I think that's really what we're saying, Ben, isn't it? Yeah. Whichever one is nearer you, um, whichever one works for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point there. Okay. So we have finished the. Uh, tutorial for today if you are struggling with your IELTS and for example you're out in the countryside or your your language centers closed then it's a good time to invest in yourself to get some feedback and start the process and if you go to IELTSpodcast.com you can sign up for some free IELTS materials and there's also some special offers to get some discounts on getting feedback for your essays. I mean, we focus on the writing and we are developing a new feedback service for the speaking as well. How's that going, Daphne? Oh, it's going really, really well, actually. We've got lots of people who just think, okay, I may as well just get some feedback on my speaking part two, which is what we're starting with. And I've got a couple of students who've been doing the speaking part two and are now moving on to just speaking part one. So it's more like a conversation, um, but it's a really, really good idea to get some practice. And I think mm -hmm. they're finding that really useful. Yeah. Yeah. And we've recently implemented, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Daphne, but we recently implemented specific exercises for students who want to, uh, to develop the skill of comparing different ideas and contrasting them and talking about things hypothetically because these are yeah. key points that will help you or key skill sets that will help you score higher exactly so for on the speaking part one this was particularly um we were working with um uh giving up the question and then saying right in your response to this you need to be comparing and in your response to this we need to hear some conditionals. So quite mm. specific advice given with the question. Um, and, and then you know, this is the way to improve, isn't it? By just testing out these things and seeing what you feel, what you're good at and seeing what needs improvement as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And professional feedback just accelerates the whole improvement process. So just as last words, if you're in lockdown, keep moving, uh, keep studying, you know, no excuses. I heard a beautiful phrase the other day that my friend told me. He said, Ben, there's a thin line between an excuse and a reason, a very thin line. So I don't want to just burden, with you, burden you all with that phrase, but just bear it in mind when you are thinking about your preparing during this whole COVID pandemic um, ex moment i guess so <laughs> what i want to say is just keep moving keep moving and you will get there and we're here and we're going to help you all the way yeah excellent point okay thank you very much for listening and good luck take care thanks everyone beautiful oh For listening to ielspodcast.com. <laughs>